The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good afternoon. This is Doug Powell. I'm the president of the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, AAVL. And I want to welcome everybody to this afternoon's call uh, about health care. Um, and, uh, you know, healthcare and blindness, how, you know, how do they, how do they get along? <laughs> and um, so Danette is, is also a, a facilitator. So uh, uh, Danette, you want to take it from here? We have Deanna um, Noriega and Don Brush as caregivers, both of them as caregivers. I'm Deanna Kawaiwater Noriega. I am a caregiver currently for my husband, Curtis. We've been married 52 years. He's put up with me all of that time. So um, there is no way I'm going to let him down by not being here for him as he struggles with diabetes, COPD, um, and a neurologic condition which mimics Parkinson's without having quite all of the medical evidence to say that's what he has oh, and right. i've been a caregiver since childhood with one thing and another being mm -hmm. the oldest mm -hmm. all right thank you deanna don why don't you introduce yourself a little please well my name is don brush i'm from uh well aberdeen south dakota uh but i spend um a good portion of my time in my hometown of Clark, South Dakota, about 75 miles between the two locations. Um, and I currently um, spend a lot of time with my dad, who is, or um, well, he will be 94 in September. And he just went through knee replacement six months ago. And oh, he, he is out just, you know, ramming around like he always does mowing and doing everything possible oh, wow. yeah which good is good yeah yeah good for him so yes. um anyway that's that's kind of my story i'm i'm totally blind i've been um since birth as a preemie mm -hmm. um and uh again thank you for um right. asking me all right. Well, thank you, Don. Okay. So I really couldn't find anybody who was a recipient of caregiving services. <clears throat> so except for <clears throat> myself. So I am the recipient one and I've had a caregiving service for probably the past 20 some years. And this is the caregiver is, um, I'm totally blind with hearing loss, and so I do have limitations, so it do has to be a specific person. So that's just my story, and let me go to the list of questions again. There we go, right there. Okay. <clears throat> okay, we got that. Did you need to go through any special training to be a caregiver? And let's start with Deanna. No, not really. And I think that one of the problems is, unless you're a, I worked for an independent living center for 10 years before retiring to take care of my husband. Um, the 
people that apply generally don't have any background in specific caregiving and it's only if you're at the upper levels of caring for somebody that is a quadriplegic that may need very specialized um, care that level um, is a different program it's usually through um, a medical uh, thing like visiting nurses and things like that okay. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the rest of it the person who's receiving the care kind of directs what they are needing done and it's guided by a plan of care which is written up by the administrator of the caregivers company whatever that is the agency um, yeah yeah mm -hmm. the agency mm -hmm. and it's based on um a long conversation with the person requesting care and then they are assigned a certain number of hours based on what the estimate is of what they need. And um, they'll have a list of things like if you need housekeeping, if you need meal prep, if you need bathing, if you need, you know, it'll go down the list of what they feel that the person who is requesting care needs. Yep. Mm -hmm. Deanna, could I ask you a question? Sure. This is Dawn. So are you working, you know, providing that service for your husband within an agency? No. no. At this okay. time, I haven't because we own our own home. And if he were to apply for Medicaid, which is the only yeah. thing that pays for it, our house would be, would have a lean against it. Yeah. Um, okay. do, do you get paid to take care of your husband? No, a spouse can't, okay. but my granddaughters could, um, mm -hmm. anyone in the family other than a spouse, because mm -hmm. um, they figure really if you're married to him, you're going to take care of him anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's part of the deal. Okay, so Don, what about you? Did you go through any special training or anything? When I first read that question, I first said no, but then I mm -hmm. thought, wait a minute, that, that's not quite right. Because, um, well, I am a certified Stephen minister. And mm -hmm. so, um, and that can be, I just took my training um, at, at the Methodist church that I go to. But it can be from, you know, any, any church that might offer that training. And that's a 50-hour training. Mm -hmm. um, so I would be a caregiver to someone who's a care receiver right. um, mm -hmm. and I have I have you know done a little of it within that um, group but I've you know done quite a bit and had enough on my own plate mm -hmm. um, with my own family that you know I just haven't been able to do do more also um, I I worked as a rehab teacher for nearly 10 years um, and that program is independent living elderly blind program mm -hmm. and 10 years ago i actually um retired because my mom was at a nursing home or assisted living or wherever mm -hmm. at the time because she was dealing with some you know memory issues and dementia so it was really getting to the point where it's like um maybe i need to just be more visible to my own family mm -hmm. and now i stay with my dad and 
and I don't even know if he, you know, realizes I, I say I'm a caregiver um, because, he, you know, he does pretty well at taking care of himself. But still, I still I I am in that role at times. Right, right, right. Okay, so as somebody who receives caregiving service, I go through like a yearly evaluation where they ask me if I can get out of bed or get out of the chair or get off the toilet by myself, which I can. If I if I couldn't do that, I would get more hours. But right now, I get like 49 hours and that's it. For, and that's 49 hours per month. They, she does grocery shopping or doctor and cleaning and and like reading reading the mail. That that's just what I have a caregiver for. And Doug, do you have any questions or do you have any questions? I mean, like any comments about this one yeah, question or anything? I, I do. Thanks. Um, so my understanding is that the uh, the money for these programs comes through um, the, the administration on community living through the AAAs, which are the Area Agencies on Aging. Now, is that where, uh, Danette, is that where you have gone to, uh, to get your help? And, and Deanna, is that where you have signed up to, you know, to, uh, you know for, for the services that you render? Um, so that's a, that's one question. Mm -hmm. For me, I go through agencies, and I've gone through Sunrise Community Services, or what I'm what I'm doing now is going through Catholic Community Service because of COVID, I had to change caregiving services. I mean, had to change agencies, and Sunrise didn't have anything, and um, Catholic Community Services did, and that's who I went with. There are private agencies that you can pay directly. Um, yes. There are ones that get paid through Medicaid. Um, that was the case of my independent living center. Um, there are options through a variety of, of charitable organizations like Danette talked about, the, the Catholic charities. Um, it's it's pretty spread out and it's not consistent it all depends upon where you are in the country whether you're in a city whether you're rural um you know it's it's piecemeal and that's one of the problems with the system we have an aging population mm -hmm. um many people as they grow older may be widowed or never have married and they may not have immediate family to care for them mm -hmm. the um a senior at risk can be placed against their will into a nursing home or a facility because it's believed that they are incapable of caring for themselves um as a services for independent living independent living specialist I had the responsibility to report if I saw things that were happening that looked as if a person were at risk. Um, for example, one of the people I went to visit, her home was very dirty. And um, 
My driver said there was a fish tank that the water was so dark she could see some movement in it, but she couldn't tell what was in it. And the woman was on oxygen and she was still smoking because the house just reeked. <laughs> you know, so it was a place that I didn't want to be in very long. Um, and I had to report her as at risk because she was not, she had paid attendance, but they were personal friends. Mm-hmm that were mm-hmm. receiving money for, and they obviously weren't enforcing, um, they were either not doing the work or they were allowing her to tell them that she didn't care about this or that or whatever. And and the smoking while on oxygen was kind of scary. I couldn't see why anyone would want to work yeah. in that environment yeah. if she could blow you up. You know? yeah. yeah, okay. Okay, Don. What about you? Well, um, I have a sociology degree um, with emphasis on gerontology, and at um, Northern State University in Aberdeen, as long as we had um, a professor there who was very passionate about um, the needs of the elderly, that program continued. But then, when he retired. Anyway, there's no more program. And how sad is that? Yeah. Um, because I learned so much through that program. And, um, you know, some of the things that you're talking about, and I know in one of our classes, I mean, uh, people, you know, are sometimes abused even by their own family members. And one lady basically, you know, ate dog food. I mean, oh. You learn some awful stuff, mm-hmm. but it happens, yeah. wow. obviously. And yeah. but anyway, I think sometimes you know we take a backslide more mm-hmm. than go forward because mm-hmm. um, we don't do well mm-hmm. with our elderly um, population. Mm-hmm. I was just visiting last week. I, I went to Memphis to visit um, my cousin whose mom is 90 and in very, very poor health, and she resides in assisted living. And, um, you know, she's in poor health. Emotionally, she is not happy, has not been since she, um, her daughter moved her to Memphis. And, you know, that's another whole thing. Yeah. So my cousin and I, you know, we're both, we compared notes and talked a lot. And I could see even, I thought, wow, this has taken a toll on my cousin, even I, you know, you just know it. And so, um, mm-hmm. but um, anyway, that's my thoughts there. Mm-hmm. Doug, are, did you have another question? Are there, um, are you aware of, because when I was looking at our area agency on aging uh, website, they had classes for caregivers and I was wondering if uh, people who are doing, you know, health care with their families uh, know about these and avail themselves of these. And, uh, and, you know, also, you know, kind of a playing off of what Dawn was just saying, um, you know, taking care of the caregiver. Mm -hmm. With Um, working for an agency, they do have to go through once a year when their birthday comes around, they have to be sure that they've that they've taken these classes. And these classes may not have anything to do with the blind person. But I used to have 
my very best friend was my IP, which means my independent caregiver. She wasn't anybody else's caregiver, only mine. But I need someone who drives and she doesn't drive no more. So if I want to go see my best friend, I have to go see her. So I, I do know if you're working for an agency, you do have to go through classes. Yes, you, know, you have an orientation to what you might be expected to do for a person. And then you can, oftentimes caregivers are students that may be nursing students, occupational therapy students. Um, if you're near a university that has any kind of programs like that, um, because it's flex time based on your availability, um, it works out well for that, or it works out well for women who have family members that can do some some okay. trade-offs. It, it's not flex time. time. If you work for an agency, it's not flex time. My well, caregiver comes twice a, twice a week, these certain hours. Oh, yes. But what I meant is the time frame is flexible. She can accept clients to fit her schedule if she's a student or okay. um, a, a person that has um, other jobs, even at home or school, so okay. that they can sign up for when they're available and then be sent out on that basis. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Dawn, you wanted to say something? Um, within the Stephen Ministry Program, there is continued education right. for, for yeah. the people that are caregivers. Mm -hmm. Good. Uh, you know, otherwise, you know, as far as myself, I say that I'm a caregiver because, mm -hmm. well, it's, it's my dad and, yeah. you know, that I'm, that I'm with. Um, and I, you know, I certainly could share some, some of my thoughts about, about that whole process. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, if anybody has oh. any questions about that. All right. Well, we'll take questions from the attendees when we're done with these Six questions. Okay. Are you a caregiver for some someone who's blind or visually impaired? Probably not. No. Mm -hmm. I have been in the past. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. It mm -hmm. wasn't a, a, a paid position or an official right. position, but we had a young girl when I was in high school who was whose parents applied for welfare for her when she was 16. And she had never been to school. She'd never been allowed out of bed. She couldn't walk, mm -hmm. dress herself, feed herself. Mm -hmm. And so when an OT said she was ready to go to high school because she taught her to dress herself and walk and so forth, um, I was assigned by the um, resource room teacher to assist her in adjusting to high school. Oh, boy. Yeah. And it was, it was sort of those, oh my goodness, what do I do? Cause I tutored kids before mm -hmm. in the resource program that came in that perhaps had difficulty with reading or math or whatever, but this was a whole different thing working with a young girl who was so, she was like an isolate in that she Don't spoke well, but she didn't have a grasp of social behavior. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. at all mm -hmm. and what had, was appropriate and what wasn't yeah had she had any uh schooling no oh my gosh is she supposed to go to high school yeah <laughs> because she was 16 <laughs> oh, wow 
Wow. All right. I think so. I think Don answered that. And we'll go to the next one. Okay, just out of your own knowledge, what specifically what you had would you have to do differently for a blind or visually impaired person? I could answer that. Um, Go ahead, Don. Mm -hmm. I, you know, communication would be number one. Yes. Um, verbal yes. communication, especially, mm -hmm. and just um, having having that one-on-one -on -one conversation with with that particular person and. Um, trying to meet um, those needs and figuring out what the person, you know, can do for his or herself and mm -hmm. go, yeah. go from there and yeah, seeing what good. agencies can be involved or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. help is required. Right. That's good. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll try this one. Um, mm -hmm. I've also babysat for a deaf blind young girl at one point and um, I had to watch very carefully her reactions to things because she had such limited ability to communicate but if you have ever worked with a baby or a toddler you learn to read them by the by how they respond to what's going on around them. And then you work backwards trying to figure out what it is mm -hmm. is distressing them or mm -hmm. what they might want before they're verbal. And that's pretty much what I was doing when I cared for her. Mm -hmm. I took care of her as if she were an infant or a toddler, right. um, just responding to what she was able to let me know about through her reactions and responses. Mm -hmm. And okay. so I think the, the key here is to take people where they're at yeah. and not have any judgment because you weren't in their position. Like, like the young girl in high school, I had every opportunity to explore and be and learn. Yeah. She didn't. And mm -hmm. I couldn't be upset with her or judgmental about how she behaved because I didn't have the same experiences. So in dealing with anyone who's visually impaired, you have to ask them what they need and gently coax them into to stretching out a little bit more if you can, but not be upset with them if they're too afraid or too um, damaged mm -hmm. by previous experience to be able to benefit by anything you might want to teach them. Mm -hmm. That's good. Something that um, Don had said was to look at like other different types of agencies who could help, who would help. And what, um, like the, I said yearly I get evaluated about if my needs have changed and what what um, I think it was about a year ago what they added was it's called mom's meals so I get 16 hmm. meals delivered a month which it does cut down instead of 47 hours, I get 39 hours, which that's how that's paid for, which is fine with me. The, 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 and it used to be um, chicken brocade 
chicken soup brigade or something like that. But I didn't like those meals as well. The mom's meals is much better. The, some, they, they could deliver breakfast. Like if I wanted half breakfast and half dinner, they'll do that. And it's just meals oh. that are prepared that you just heat, heat in, the, in the microwave, which, which these mom's meals are a lot better than the chicken soup meals. I, I like them much better. So when I worked um, uh-huh. for the state th- with the independent living elderly blind program, right. um, you know, we would refer a client to, to whatever agencies we felt mm-hmm. would, um, could add resources and mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. so Dawn, uh, it, it, working in the, uh, I call it the OIB program. Um, mm-hmm. you, you coordinated with, uh, for example, with the uh, uh, ACL, you know, the uh, Administration for Community Living kinds of programs as well. Um. Well, we we did a, you know, with each new client, of course, we had all the forms to fill out and intakes, and you know, um, then had to come up with a plan. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then we like if someone had hearing loss, we'd look at, you know, do they need hearing aids? Do they, mm-hmm. you know, we'd, we'd call in someone or make a referral mm-hmm. just depending on what, what their needs might be along with the vision loss yeah. in various stages. Mm-hmm. Deanna, it must've been uh, incredibly difficult to work out a plan for the, the uh, 16 year old woman that you were working with um, because you know, you had been through school from first grade all the way through, and um, uh, obviously she had not. And so mm-hmm. it must be really difficult to sort of remember what, you know, what what you learned in school that they, she had not been exposed to. Right. And Deanna, you were in school, too, when you did that, didn't you? <laughs> Yes. I mean, that's why I say I've been a caregiver most of my life because I was the oldest of five kids and my mother worked two and three jobs. So I was the authority there at home trying to keep younger brothers and a sister in line (laughs) and trying to to make sure that we all did what we were supposed to be doing. Well, I also. Yeah. Yeah, So I think that, that caregiving isn't like a profession so much as it's 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 necessity um you step in where where you can help I couldn't really change a lot for the girl in high school I could talk to the the um the woman who ran the the um program for mentally delayed kids and make suggestions on how she could best work with her um, I could help her study her alphabet and see if she was able to learn Braille or not. Um, I didn't really have any set guidance. It was just like, well, um, what can I d- try to show you today? Mm-hmm. And and what will work? And working with the resource room teacher and the the teacher that had her for her the rest of her class periods i was only working with her one period a day mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. sounds like she was pretty isolated yeah 
Did, did you right. know um, tactile ASL? No. Wow. Mm-hmm. Did she? Right. <laughs> no, okay. she didn't need it. The other child were, um, that I was babysitting for, I was just a neighborhood teenager oh, that was asked yeah. to come and babysit. Mm-hmm. She was the one who was mm-hmm. definitely. Okay. Yeah. So for the next one, what are some tips for being a good caregiver? Not necessarily for, for anybody, not necessarily for a blind or visually impaired, just some tips for being a good caregiver. I mean, I had one caregiver. She used to be a puppy raiser. So she was my IP. And with her, huh, it was kind of funny because with her, she was saying, you know, I don't feel like this is my job. I feel like we're just hanging out together and I'm just doing things for you. We're just hanging out. It's like, well, we're good. We just hang out. Good. Yeah. yeah. I I think for being a, you know, good caregiver, um, communication, patience. Patience. We both hit that one. I have to actually say I, some days I'm not very patient. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, being just, you know, a good listener, right? figuring out, you know, what that person wants mm-hmm. or needs. Yeah. Well, that's the biggies. I tell you, the receiver, caregiver receiver has to have a whole lot of patience too. Yes. <laughs> because if your caregiver has never been around another visually impaired person, right. mm-hmm. they may not have a grasp at all of what your needs are, and they may assume they do. Yeah. I mean, for you know, with my dad, well, he's going to be 94 in September. You know, he has, he has wet macular degeneration. He has very severe hearing loss. Um, mm-hmm noise induced from farming and hunting and everything so you know you take those two right there right (laughs) um my patience Mm -hmm. some days gets you know a little thin yep because tv (laughs) is the worst i don't Mm -hmm. listen to it but you've got the damn thing so loud that you know i that i could hear it across the street Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember so, that when I used to go see my clients also it's like we'd come my driver and I'd come down the hall and it's like oh boy there's the TV <laughs> and it would be so loud they could hardly hear us knocking on the door yeah, um, yeah. so like for me uh, like if we're, if, we're, if we're out and about like grocery shopping or something I'm at the handle of the basket and she's at the other end if she's not looking at me when she talks to me I don't hear her. She has to put up with me saying, what did you say? Would you please look at me when you talk to me? And so I I don't hear. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think that oftentimes when someone is, is genuinely sick, not just um, dealing with a disability they may not have had um, before, there is sometimes pain levels and that can make people very short-tempered and mm-hmm. impatient. And um, I've, you know, taken care of several grandparents who had different stages of dementia. Mm-hmm. And they may ask the same question 20 times mm-hmm. while you're trying to get, you know, the dishes done and, and clean the bathroom and do various things for them around their house. 
And all you can do is keep answering it sweetly because Mm -hmm. it's not their fault that they have faulty wiring upstairs and signals are getting crossed and and they can get delusional and not know who you are. Yeah. As a caregiver to your husband, he, I would think dealing with a lot of pain at times, that must be harder for you. It, it is hard because when I have to do things for him that are painful, mm-hmm. um, I absolutely hate it when he gasps in pain, oh, yeah. you know, because I feel like uh, I should be mm-hmm. able to do this better. But sometimes there's no better. It's just what has to be done. Mm-hmm. And there's also, you know, some things are humiliating for the person mm-hmm. to deal right. with yeah. incontinence, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um and you have to be, um, you know, I just, I'll laugh at him and say, hey, I took care of our kids when they were babies. This stuff, kind of stuff happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bodily functions are natural. Don't mm-hmm. get upset. Don't blame yourself, you know, yeah. and it's just extra laundry. No big deal. Mm-hmm. The washer and dryer don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doug, do you have any comments? Okay, go ahead, Don. Sorry. The thing I have felt, um, like with my mom, when she, and we um, had, you know, we had the chance for her to go into assisted living, which we did. And sometimes I thought, have thought, maybe we, maybe that wasn't a good thing to have done. I know she, she knew it and you know, wanted to come home. But then I thought, you know, what's going to happen to my dad? If she's home, that's going to put more stress on him. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, and sometimes I feel like I was more the caregiver than the daughter. So Mm -hmm. I was always suggesting things or saying things, mom, you know, you don't need to do this. You don't need to do that, whatever. And sometimes now I blame, you know, I, it's hard not to regret some of that. Right. That's a totally different call when you start talking about like nursing homes or rehab places. They don't get the, some places, they don't get the best care. Yeah, it just, you know, one thing Mm -hmm. I'll have to say, I'm in a a small town with about a thousand people. And I will tell you that when she was in the nursing home for the last couple of years, my dad was up there three times a day, bless his Mm -hmm. heart. And believe me, they knew who we were. Mm. (laughs) And one day, um, the wrath of dawn hit and I came unglued and it was not pretty. And yet I, I'd had it. And, you know, I, uh, you know, since kind of apologized to one of the workers who wasn't there anymore, but you know what, it just happened. Yeah. And um, so they knew who we were. Yeah. And I think that makes a difference. It yeah. Not that we were looking for something bad to happen. That wasn't the intent, but we were there just paying attention. Oh, right. And that is important because they're often understaffed and the mm-hmm. staff is not properly trained. Right. And so um, I try never to burn bridges right. and I try to be... Um, as accommodating as I can, but I still, if I'm responsible for my husband's grandmother, my husband's grandfather, my mother, you know, I am going to say what needs to be said. 
and be observant. Um, and before putting any of my loved ones into assisted care, I did a lot of research yeah. and figured out mm -hmm. what was the least restrictive environment that was safe for them and, you know, move them from level to level as their <clears throat> needs increased. But I always made sure that the places I put them were as clean and well run as I could possibly afford. Excuse and, me, it, yeah. it is 240? Okay. Yeah. <gasps> and if it meant doing their laundry myself, I did mm -hmm. it, you know, whatever it took to make okay. it work. So I was thinking, I do have one more question, and we will go to the attendees in Zoom and Clubhouse now because I want to make sure that we have time. For Doug, is this okay? Sure, great. Yeah. Okay. So if you have questions or anything about caregiving, just qu questions, um, go ahead and raise your hand in Zoom and in Clubhouse request to speak. And Lucy, is there any hands raised? Yeah. We have Anicio. You can unmute. Hi, Anicio. Hi, Anicio. Hello. How's everyone? Good. Great. I think, uh, Danette, you mentioned a while ago training, you know, what mm -hmm. specific training or hints someone may need in order to provide caregiving to a blind, a blind person, mm -hmm. and, and especially an older blind person. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the one of the things that we know happens is that when you when you go to um, um, an appointment, uh, healthcare, or a, really almost any kind of appointment, if the mm -hmm. caregiver is sighted, the the normal inclination is for that provider to speak to the caregiver instead yes. of the person. And I think it is so important for caregivers to, as part of their training, mm -hmm. to learn um, not to foment that, not right. to encourage that, rather to say, you know, if the person doesn't say it, have the caregiver say, you know what, you can talk to that person directly. Right. That's I will tell the caregiver, do not make eye contact. <laughs> do not. Make eye contact because if they start making eye contact, like go and look at your phone. Do not make eye contact. If you do, they'll start talking mm -hmm. to you and not to me. So, yeah, yeah. but you you're a good self advocate yourself. A lot of people are not right. So yeah. it's up to the caregiver sometimes to actually do that or say that. Right. I go with my dad to his appointments, and I make appointments because God darn it, he can't hear very yeah. well. Right. And right. I'll tell you what for an elderly person to have to navigate the phones with all of the, the push this, push mm -hmm, that, do mm -hmm. this is mm -hmm. one of the worst things yeah. there is. And it isn't that, you know, I'll, I'll ask him, you know, when do you want this appointment or when we're at the appointment, you know, sometimes then I'll answer for him or, or he'll answer for himself, but yeah. I'm there to get the information. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, your 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 dad sounds like a neat person. Oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Danette. Thank you, Michelle. All right. They let they let me grow up independent. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, I I was raised in a little town and then on a farm, and I did everything on the farm. I you know, I was an only child, and so pretty much, you know, he let me drive the pickup or the tractor, and he mm -hmm. told me where to go and how to do it, and so yep. there you go. Mm -hmm. My turn. <laughs> okay, you have no more hands. Okay, Deanna, do you have any comments with that? 
Oh, I just wanted to say that if you have specifics about your particular situation, um, we can't really do that today, but I do run a caregiver support group every Wednesday morning mm -hmm. um, at um, 10 o'clock um, mm -hmm. Eastern, and it's a strictly support. People come and they ask questions. They seek resources. Sometimes they just need to vent because the stress levels can be really high when you're a mm -hmm. caregiver is you're trying to mediate between um, the medical people and the people you love mm -hmm. and trying to find a balance there, especially when you're not treated respectfully right. by the medical profession because you're blind or yeah. being mistaken for the patient <laughs> or <laughs> things like that yeah. that happen because um, obviously a blind person isn't a caregiver. Mm -hmm. um, you know, So <laughs> that's a situation that happens to many of us because we find ourselves in caregiver roles because the family perceives us as the logical person to take care of grandpa, mom, dad, whomever, mm -hmm. because we may not have an outside job or we may be perceived as someone who can pick up and go and move in with someone and take care of them simply because the rest of the family doesn't realize we have lives too. Yeah. So good that's, that's good. what my group does is we, what, we meet. Right. You know, okay. um, that brings up a whole nother topic, which yeah. um, Deanne, I'll, I'll probably try to get in on your group someday. Um, but I have my own home yet in Aberdeen. So, and still, so far, my dad drives yet because, well, you know, his <laughs> biggest issues are, are reading and that's one of the worst. Mm -hmm. And we have gone back and forth to Aberdeen for umpteen many years because that's where the School for the Blind is located. And so he, you know, he's probably driven that route in his sleep. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so... Oh. Anyway, okay. when that okay. when that no longer takes place, then I'm going to have to make some choice right. because mm -hmm. I'll have to, you know, but I don't spend much time at my own house anymore. So, you know, I'm at his house. And so consequently, mm -hmm. once in a while, I'll say, you know what? I don't have a life. I don't have my uh, yeah. a life of my own, mm -hmm. which, well, maybe right now this is my life. So, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's a. It's yeah. a big topic. Yeah. Okay. So one thing that my caregiver does do is she, if, if I want, like, maybe somebody gave me a book to read, well, a paperback book, a printed book to read, mm -hmm. I'll have her read it to me. And my, the, my, my IP, she used to be my, my best friend, used to be my IP for 10 years. Right now, she doesn't drive, losing her sight. So now mm -hmm. I will bring my e-reader over to her house and I will get to read to her, so, which, is, which, which is fun. Um, is there any hands in Clubhouse, Darcy? No. No, well, he oh, yeah. Darcy hand would up, raise so. his hand. Yes, he would. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Doug, do you have any questions so far? I do have one more question for these ladies. And did you say there was a, a hand raised? No, no, no. 
Oh, okay. Um, I, I find this really interesting because I, I have not been, I, I've not been on the receiving or the giving part of uh, what you're talking about. Although my mother um, had a botched, um, she was 92 at the time. They, they uh, went through and, and uh, she wanted a, um, a um, cataract operation on her good eye. So she had lazy eye when she was a kid and, you know, she, she was legally blind in her other eye and she was getting cataracts on her good eye. And so she decided she wanted to take, you know, she wanted to have it taken out and um, the, you know, the lens, you know, the cataract and um, it, it, the tissue was too thin. So it actually tore during the surgery and so they were trying to figure out what to do next. And in the meantime, she, you know, obviously she was now pretty much, le you know, legally blind in both eyes. And um, even, you know, and, and uh, she actually is in the Chicago area or was, and uh, I, I was in the Washington, D.C. area. So I couldn't actually provide ongoing uh, <laughs> uh, vision rehab services, <laughs> you know, to the extent that, you know, that I, that I knew about it, but it was, it was really, I think it uh, in the like 10 months uh, that, that happened in April and she actually died the next February. And I'm convinced that part of the reason that her health deteriorated was that she, um, had not received the services. She didn't feel confident. She didn't feel competent mm -hmm. and she had to rely on other people. And, you know, so she went from independent living to assisted living to uh, skilled nursing, you know, pretty mm -hmm. quickly. And uh, um, so I, you know, I, I was wondering, especially Dawn, uh, do, do you, have you had rehab services for your dad with his macular degeneration? Um, yes, actually. Um he has been seen through the, you know, same program that I worked with. Um, he also um, has, and he uses a CCTV, um, which does yeah. help, you know, the reading a little bit. And yeah. he has also received um, some services through the VA. Okay. okay you do have a raised hand. Okay. Donna. Hey, Donna. You can unmute Donna. There you go. Okay. Uh, uh, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. I hate when people ask that, but uh, <laughs> the computer was being weird. So, but can you hear me now? <laughs> uh, I, I want to thank you all for this um, discussion. Uh, I Some of you may or may not know, I was a caregiver for my mom for probably longer than I realized. And I think that's one thing I wanted to say. I think oftentimes we become a caregiver and we don't even really realize that we're a caregiver <laughs> um, as our parents age or, or siblings or, or, you know, whoever it may be. Um, I, I think sometimes, you know, we start maybe doing or needing in many cases to do more things for them. And I, I don't think we really think of it as caregiving, but, but it actually is like when Dawn was talking about, you know, making her dad's uh, appointments. Well, you know, that's sometimes you don't even really think about that. You're actually doing something for them that they used to be able to do themselves. But um, I, when I was a caregiver for my mom, she has since passed away, but um, 
Adana, I wish I would have known about your your support <laughs> group because I, I anyway you you really a support group is so important during that time that that a person is a caregiver. The stress level is can be pretty pretty high, <laughs> um, and I think sometimes you don't even really realize it when you're going through it. It's it's afterward. And, and then you just think of, you know, anyway, but in my case, I have three other siblings. One would not be able to, to give care because he'll, he kind of needs care himself. (laughs) He's, uh, but anyway, um, it's interesting. I was the person that lived the closest. Actually, my mother lived in my house. So I, I lived the closest. My two of my siblings live a couple hours from here, but it's interesting when, when, the other siblings start to get involved when the end is near and that kind of thing. And so my one brother kept like trying to answer for me. And I, I finally had to say, you know, I'm the one that's been here. I'm the one that had to call the rescue squad when my mother fell. And cause he said she'd never fell. And I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, so it, it, sometimes like Dawn being an only child, there's sometimes that's not all bad. I hear you. (laughs) Because you're dealing with some other, uh, other things as well as the caregiving thing. You're dealing with siblings. And now of course I'm dealing with going through all the stuff and, you know, because it's here in my house. Anyway, I, I, I just think this is a wonderful topic. And Deanne, I think, thank you for your support group. Mm. And, uh, Thank you, Danette, and whoever put this together. I think it's great. Thank you. Cool. Well, you know, I go did- see a um, a somebody, a 92-year-old lady who has, she's been my friend for years. She has dementia or Alzheimer's or something. She doesn't remember things or can't finish her sentence. I had asked her when I first started going over there, does she want me to try to, like, say what she's thinking? Or does she want me to try to finish her sentence? And she appreciates, depends on the person, but she would appreciate me trying to like guess or know and say it what she's thinking or what she's saying because she gets frustrated with herself because she can't think of it yeah my mother has aphasia now um and I call her every Saturday morning and if I can make her laugh by telling a silly story I know she's she's tracking that day Mm -hmm. or if I sing a song to her and she sings a song back to me. It's another way we communicate. Um, it's you do what works with each person. And I yeah. think the important thing for about being a caregiver is one of the things we do for each other every Wednesday morning is we do a check in. How did your week go? Was it bad? Was it terrible? What happened? And then um, we do what have you done for yourself this week? Because it's so easy to get so wrapped up that you isolate yourself because you're too busy being the caregiver and you don't take care of you. And if you break down, then who's there going to be to take care of the one you were caring for? You have five minutes on our last question. Thank you. So, but before we get, okay, quickly. When you're overwhelmed, what, how, how can, how, what do you do for yourself when this caregiving job is so overwhelming? What do you do for yourself? 
I could answer that. Um, yep, go ahead. Good. Um, mm -hmm. Well, what, you know, even though it's, it, it's work, what gives us a lot of joy and laughter and sometimes a little frustration is our three dogs. Um, <laughs> I have my third guide dog from um, Guiding Eyes and I have two Cavalier King Charles Spaniels. And so my dad, you know, he's the pooper scooper and uh, whatever, but you know, he, he likes them a lot. And so do I. Deanna, do you still have a dog? Yes, I have a, a three-year-old yellow lab from the seeing eye. He's my 10th okay. guide dog. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, I and yes, laugh. he does make me laugh every day. Yeah. And, yeah. and laughter for me is one of the ways okay. that I relax my diaphragm and mm -hmm. breathe. Um, breathe is yeah. one of the things that yeah. helps me. Or if I've reached the point where I want to hit him over the head because he's being so unreasonable today, I will say, oh, I've got to go for, for a walk with Flynn. He needs the work. I'll be back <laughs> in 45 minutes. And I, um, yeah. I also have a camper now, like this summer. Um, my camper's Ooh. in the backyard, and so I do go out there. So that gives me a little more, you know. Mm -hmm. Personal space. Yep. Yeah. And Zoom hosting gives me an hour away at a time <laughs> when I can just close my door <laughs> and not have to have the loud television or you know, whatever it is, um, him asking right. me to get something for him that he could reach if he would just turn around in his wheelchair and wheel over there, oh, but right. he doesn't feel yeah. like it, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I do want Doug to say a few closing things, and I, Deanna's um, caregiving call is on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern time zone. So go yeah. ahead, Doug. And it's on the community list. Yes. Right. And if you have if you haven't signed up on the community list, then um, I I'm on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. you can go to uh, community the, at acb.org. Yep, and and will that get you signed up? You you put in the subject line. You put sign, sign me, me up, up for community, <laughs> and in the body of the email, you put your name and your email address, and they will sign you up. There you go. Good. So I really appreciate uh, Dawn and, and Deanna um, and, uh, and Danette, who's yes, uh, Danette. really, really uh, taken this topic on virtually single handed. And uh, thank you very much for being here today. And um, anybody who's interested in, in joining AAVL, the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, you can check us out at um, AAVL-blind-seniors.org. And there's uh, joining information and there's all sorts of stuff that, that we're, we're working on. So mm -hmm. uh, you can mm -hmm. find out more about us. So thank you very much, ladies. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, And I'm, I would always be available if anybody, you know, ever wants to contact oh. me. Excellent. Or Thanks, Deanna. And thank You're you, welcome. Lucy and Darcy. And too. Lucy and Darcy, yes. Good. You bet. <laughs>